This is Ken Lubin, and welcome to the Ultimate Hire podcast. What is the Ultimate Hire? The Ultimate Hire is the professional that every business, team, or leader needs in their organization. This is the high-performance individual that always rises to the top, brings the team to the next level, and can significantly add to the bottom line. The Ultimate Hire is the person that you can't afford to be without. Finding, attracting, hiring, and retaining these professionals is critical to the success of your business. We have identified these traits and can help you find these top professionals. A little bit about me. I'm a managing director and longest tenured employee with ZRG Partners. I'm the creator of the Ultimate Hire blog, founder of Executive Athletes, a U.S. Olympic Committee career advisor, and endurance athlete as well as following my true passion of being a husband, father, and son. I love to get people out of their comfort zone while helping them achieve their dreams and companies achieve their goals by helping them realize the importance of living a high-performance life. This podcast will feature hiring strategies, interview tips, conversations with key business leaders, as well as other search professionals. This is designed to give individuals and organizations tools and tactics to have a competitive advantage for career growth, business growth, and insights to the most important resource, the people. If anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me at klubin at ZRG Partners, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's guest is Wayne Folks. Wayne's 30-year international leadership career in leasing has spanned three continents. Europe, North America, and South America. Wayne's route to his current role of leadership responsible for both North and South America has taken an unusual route. Holding senior roles in bank-owned lessors in London to owning and growing and subsequently selling his technology leasing company to his current employer. A successful, albeit rare, transition from entrepreneurial CEO owner to international corporate leader. Now 11 years later, Based in California, he is a senior member of the international management team of a global independent lessor, CHG Meridian. CHG Meridian are are specialists in providing circular economy solutions in three key technology areas, including IT, healthcare, and industrial. The group has an international presence with over 1,000 employees and operates in 27 countries. By the end of 2019, CHG Meridian Finance and manage a total technology portfolio of $7.5 billion. And Wayne is an Englishman living on the coast of uh, California. So Wayne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. It's uh, good to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation to get involved. It's perfect. So Wayne, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about who Wayne is from Wayne's own, you know, Wayne's own story. Oh, well, where do I begin? Um, yeah, well, thanks for the, uh, the bio, but, um, yeah, here I am in sunny California, uh, here on a, um, a secondment, um, for, uh, for CHG Meridian, um, life for me in the tech finance, um, goes right away back to, uh, when I was a 20 year old, um, sales rep, just, um, cutting my teeth, uh, on the, uh, the, the dark streets of London, um, with the photocopier, uh, business and, and the, uh, Reaper graphic. Uh, resellers for the likes of Xerox and so on. Um, enjoyed my time, worked across two banks, um, steadily worked my way up the ranks. And then at the end of uh, five years with the second bank, um, myself and one of my uh, colleagues um, decided that now was the time to go alone. So we took the brave plunge 
I was 30 years old. Um, my daughter was just one month old when we decided to uh, take the plunge and we, uh, we ran an operation um, out of London covering the UK within the tech finance channel, particularly focusing on IT. And we ran that for 12 years, uh, bumps and bruises along the way. Um, but uh, we grew the business to a hundred million dollars portfolio. Um, and it was then that CHD Meridian came knocking, um, went through the usual sale and purchase terms, due diligence um, uh, at 3 a.m. in the morning and looking at um, endless amounts of Excel spreadsheets. Um, and um, then we, um, we decided to sign on the dotted line. And um, uh, so that, uh, that was an exciting period. And I have to say, during that uh, three to four months worth of due diligence, I think probably I learned in three to four months uh, what you'd probably learn in three to four years as an MBA, that whole due diligence process um, of running the business front of house and then needing to just stop your job and then move into the whole focus of providing an acquirer with all of the intel that uh, deservedly they uh, they expect. Um, so from there, joined the managerial ranks of CHG Meridian. Thank you again for the intro. And um, joined their UK and Ireland team. Um, really enjoyed the integration work that took place there within the first two to three years. Um, then from there, I was responsible for Western Europe. Um, uh, there were some significant subsidiaries of the group um, at that stage, particularly France and the UK business were contributing very strong um, to the uh, international presence um, within the CHG group. Uh, and then um, someone tapped me on my shoulder, one of the board members in Germany, and just said, hey, uh, we want to ship you out of Western Europe um, and uh, send you to California where we'd like you to see what you can do in uh, really getting to grips with the, the, the growth strategy that we want to experience in both North and uh, Southern America. So um, South America, which consists of, of Brazil and Mexico, two strong emerging markets, uh, but with, with, their, um, um, with their challenges, uh, both environmentally, uh, financially, politically. Um, and then, of course, um, North America with U.S. and Canada as well. So been here for two years, two months, uh, one week. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm genuinely enjoying every single moment um, of, uh, of this experience. And um, I think um, if I look back, uh, I've definitely been relying heavily on the international experience that I've captured um, uh, managing eight um, uh, countries now in total 12 so yeah um it's uh, it's been a fun ride so far with uh, um some ups and some downs and some challenges as well as some fist pumps in the air when we've done a great job um but uh, overall we we don't make stuff ken all right we don't we don't manufacture um raw materials into something spectacular like an iphone um we we're about people we are a people business in the technology field. And as such, um, part of my role um, in a sales leadership capacity is 100% focused on the people because I come from a, a, an adage of, you know, if you look after the people, then your people will look after you. And um, uh, so here we are now sitting right slam bang in the middle of COVID-19. Um, 
and the different um, challenges that are being thrown at us. Um, but, um, and some of them actually are um, positive for our business, you yeah. know, with the forced change of behavior, um, and some of them less so. But, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully that just gives you a run. No, through. it's perfect. I love how you're talking about sort of the ups and downs, right, of the success of selling your business. And the due diligence and learn to get in that MBA three months, four months MBA. I don't think there's anything better than going through any of those types of things. But one of the things I liked about how you started off and in, in, in your bio, I'm saying that you started off as a salesperson, right? Going door to door, doing the copier thing. What are your thoughts on, you know, this podcast is focuses on hiring or we talk quite a bit about hiring. How do you feel about that being an entree into sales, right? And working in the boiler room, working the door-to-door sales thing? Because I know for my career, that was huge. But different people have different experiences, but it really teaches you, you know, the ins and outs. What are your thoughts? Oh, um, well, great question, Ken. Um, well, at times it sucks, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it does. You're, yep. uh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're out there, you're, you're running you know, towards brick walls and you've literally got blood streaming down your forehead. Um, but then you get the lucky breaks, um, you know, um, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get and all of those other associated additives. Um, but I think probably mostly the, the fact that, um, hands on is something that, um, is, is vital. Um, and when I look at the, um, uh, the people that I have been fortunate to um, recruit, grow, nurture, develop, and and have this wonderful, fulfilling feeling that that you're part of that that their own personal and professional progression. Um, I, I feel very proud towards doing that. But it is all centered on the practice, opposed to the theory. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think from my personal opinion, yeah, I think that uh, that speaks volumes that you've got to get out there and, yeah, carry a few bruises, carry a few scars, but then also really embrace and enjoy the successes that you feel as a salesperson and as a sales leader. But, boy, make sure you learn from your mistakes. And I think that, yeah, learning from mistakes, I think, is the only way to be, right? And. Talk about this and failure. What is failure, really? Failure, I think, is about is. I don't even know what failure is. It's just it's always learning, right? It's it's learning. It's screwing up. It's learning what not to do versus what to do, right? I think that that's failure. But is that learning or is that failure? I think that's a that's a whole other way to look at things too. Yeah, I think so. Um, I look, um, you know, failing once is acceptable. Failing early is absolutely desired um but failing twice or failing failing three times you kind of think to yourself well hang on a second you know um right. you know let's uh, let's stop this um and um i think through that process and um you know again i can uh, i'm sketched in my head a, a, a number of, of of people that i've had such good fortune to work alongside um where i've learned from them um in the early years and i've passed on that um, um, uh, that the proficiency that they handed down to me um, to continue to yeah share that um, 
that um, that thirst of knowledge and that's key as well you know you, you you've got to keep learning you know I'm 52 years old now um, as I said earlier really enjoying the secondment um, out here um, but always learning um, and as a young rep carrying a bag um, I thirst for that knowledge because then once I've got that then of course once you've got it either practical or theory is what do you do with it yeah and how and that's my next question. It's sort of moving into the one of the things you mentioned earlier is the international leadership piece, right? And and taking that knowledge. What's it like managing cross culturally? That's going to be fairly unique or extremely unique because so many people are used to just dealing in the U.S. and you and the U.S. has their own cultures internally. But talk to us about leading across all different cultures from Europe to Latin America to you know, North America and Canada. Um, yeah. Well, it's, I'm going to go back to the comment I made earlier. It, it's a, it's a, it's a learning process. Um, but if I look back at the, um, uh, the European role, for example, um, CHD Meridian is a German, um, uh, company is the market leader, um, uh, as an independent provider in Germany, um, with, um, significant market share um, so I've got a working for a German company an English leader managing a French subsidiary yeah <laughs> so you just work through just just the translation um, aspects to that then you move into obviously the the the, the important cultural aspects to that but for me um, what I found was the was the consistent message of clarity. You've got to give that across any international culture, is that message of clarity. Um, I try to simplify the message as, um, as well as I can. Um, and um, you know, whether you're a French guy working in Paris, just venturing into your leasing career, or you're a, you're a, um, a guy out of the Netherlands, a senior, um, an individual that has, you know, uh, been successful with a large amount of portfolio, or then flip it across to uh, South America. If we've got, you know, the colleagues in Brazil or Mexico, simplicity. Keep that message clear, concise, and simple. Um, and then repeat. That simplicity piece. No, I love that. Right. It's it makes life a lot easier. And if you can it's that message, it gets easier and easier, right? It's sort of like the minimalist message or minimalist living. And I love what you're saying, sort of simplicity of leadership, because that makes a, that makes it consistent across everyone that you're talking to and they understand their expectations. Um, and I'm fortunate to be an English guy where the standard dialect of international business is English. Right. Right. So, um, it's important, um, and yes, there is a need to change your your cultural behaviour, um, even your body language or your persona. Um, when I walk into um, the office in Mexico, uh, in uh, Santa Fe, um, there is a culture in every morning you walk into their office and you go and you shake hands and you you kiss on the cheeks. Um, colleagues every day as a, as a cultural welcome to the working day. Whilst 
uh, in the US, for example, with the remote working culture, with people spread across vast distances, well, clearly that's impossible. <laughs> right. So yeah, there's, there's that as, a, as an example there. Um, and what about, is it different leading across other cultures though? Do you have different styles that you use? Like you said, when you go to Mexico or you're in Germany or you're in France or you're in Poland or is it still, are you just fairly consistent? Um, well, I, I, I hope and, and uh, by all means ask the people who work for yeah. me uh, this same question, but I hope that I keep with that mantra of simplicity. Nice. Yeah. And then the clarity of the message of of where we're going and how we're going to get there, but also be real where you start to um, highlight some of the potential bumps that are going to, we're going to hit along the way through that, uh, through that journey. Um, and of course it's not about the destination. It's always about the journey. Um, and um, you know, the, um, the, the behavioral uh, changes. Yeah, I do sense it. Um, uh, but equally again, uh, there's an ownership of the behavioral senses needing to be matched as well from the recipients. The local management in Mexico or in Brazil or in the US, for example, yeah, they've got an English boss, but ultimately they've got a shareholder and a stakeholders um, that are German, mm. that has a totally different culture. So, um, and as there is, um, there's a translation uh, part of my role but I don't mean it in verbiage. I don't mean verbally. There's a translation from the culture, yeah, of the style of which that message that I'm receiving from my German board to then how I then need to try and then work through that, translate it back to that clear, concise clarity into those uh, countries that, um, you know, we have many people in Mexico and Brazil that, that um, don't speak English mm. um, or speak um, uh, English in a, in a, in a relatively low skill set level, um, all the more reason why you've got to make sure that you keep that clarity. Right. No. And I, and I love that. It's, it's more of a cultural translation than it is, you know, like you said, verbal translation, right. Or language translation shift gears a little bit. We'll talk about you being an entrepreneur, right. And, and starting your business and at 30 years old, taking that jump, I'm sure with a one month year old, that had to be that is be crazy scary. Tell us a little bit about that journey, but more importantly, you know, going in, making that move into a corporate role and thriving in a corporate role. A lot of people aren't very successful at that, right? You know, entrepreneurs are sort of entrepreneurs. They're their own. They're they don't like tons of direction and, and everything else. Talk to us about number one, starting your company. Number two, making that transition and being successful, because I think there's a lot of people that would be interested in that type of, uh, that type of topic. Um, okay. So, um, again, another great question, Ken, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and, uh, uh, answer it with the, with a degree of justice it deserves. So let me go. Um, the, if, if I did not make that jump at that point in time, then I would never have made that jump. And I probably would have remained in corporate life. Uh, and I'm sure there's many, many people that are listening to this podcast that will probably go, oh, yeah, 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 I remember that opportunity and didn't take it and vice versa. They did. Um, but I did. And um, uh, I never regretted it. Um, but when you move into that environment, 
all of the life support that naturally is around you living and working for a corporate has gone. So you may carry, in fact, no, probably my fondest memory was the fact that one of, one of my customers said, well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Wayne, but I don't see a title on your business card. And that really was because I, I, I could not have a title on the business card because it would just narrow, yeah, my scope for all of the functions that you were doing as an owner manager, yeah, um, as an entrepreneur. Um, so, um, you know, one minute, you know, you were talking to the banks and making sure that they were happy with your strategy and that, um, you know, we could continue to receive their support. Um, we're selling our debt stream down from our contracts that we secure from this, from the channel. And then the next minute, you know, you'll be doing a training session with the staff. And then the next minute after that, you'll be interviewed by um, a, a local publication. So it was just that series of multitasking. Um, and uh, Grace, my daughter, one month old, boy, well, I was living in the same house as her. But there were, there were easily four days where I just did not see her. You know, because again, I'm sure many people will resonate with this. You know, you're up at stupid o'clock in the morning and then you're getting back so late at night and then you repeat. Uh, so that, uh, that was interesting uh, uh, time. But then um, as the momentum caught, the business started to grow. We needed to bring in the infrastructure. And then with the infrastructure, what then happened, I, I remembered there was a, um, like a, a flick of a switch almost, whereby um, as a leader, I went from being in the business to being on the business. Yeah, uh, again, I'm sure many people have read all the books, but by just doing that, you were then, you were, you were flying at the 34,000 feet mark, yeah, opposed to really in amongst it and maybe not seeing above the, uh, the, 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 the yard wall. Uh, so I remember that vividly. The transformation, I've, I've got to say that um, I must give a huge amount of credit to CHG Meridian um, for, uh, for, for me still being with the business 11 years on um, because that transformation was made much easier. Why? Because deep ingrained within the culture of CHG Meridian is fundamentally, it is an entrepreneurial business, but with the, 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 the corporate structure. Um, example being, Ken, um, the business offers its international management teams a very generous level of delegated authority. So, you know, you've got the leadership teams in each of the countries, those that I managed in Europe, those that I manage currently now in the Americas, whereby they should know their local market. They better. Um, and through that process, then they can make the appropriate local decisions. Yeah. To a very generous level. Um, and uh, uh, for that, I found, um, found helpful. Um, uh, the, um, translation again I'll repeat that not not um, uh, verbally but again through the cultural translation piece I, I, I think I found relatively easy to um, uh, to work through um, and here it is again through digesting what Germany are looking for from each of the regions and each of the countries is how I then convert that into a very clear and concise message awesome and talk to us about being an Englishman working in the States, right? And, and working and living in the States. It's, 
it's got to be a little bit change, a little bit unique, especially being in Southern California as well. Well, if you've not realized already, I'm standing up whilst we're having this interview. So <laughs> I've, I've, learned, I've learned that these new um, modern workplace environments, um, both at home as well as the office, with the uh, ability to raise or lower your, your, your workplace desk, um, uh, I find helpful. Um, look, the culture is different, yeah, but it's not as different, I think, as, as probably the Europeans perceive the Americans and the Americans perceive the Europeans. Um, yes, of course, there's the Z opposed to the S and, <laughs> and stuff like that, all right? Um, but um, no, I, 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 I found it relatively easy, to be honest. Um, uh, obviously, um, when I go on conference calls uh, with banking partners and customers and uh, uh, other route to market partners, um, and I introduce myself and, uh, and say, yeah, Wayne folks, um, CHG Meridian based in California, you can hear, hear their breath, you know, from the, from the, uh, uh, through the uh, video call saying, really? California? Um, but no, I think, um, Again, um, what I've noticed certainly in the culture in CHG has been what I like is just this straight talking. Yeah, just right. Let's just get, let's just cut to the chase. Where, where, where are we at? Where have we got to be? Have we got to dissect this, this particular issue down so we then can start and build it back up again and so on. Um, uh, the work-life culture, I've got to say, it, whether it's California or whether it's US, Ken, but I think the work-life balance certainly is probably more generous uh, to the employee in the U.S. than it is in, in Europe. Um, you know, the, uh, the commute time into central London of 90 minutes on the train and then back out again and do your 12-hour day, yeah, compared to some of the opportunities that exist with our team where they can work from home, um, maybe take a run during their lunch break, yeah, and then return back invigorated, refreshed, and ready to go for the afternoon. So there's, uh, there's that. But, uh, is it I'm less formal? Saying... Is it less formal? Would oh, yeah, you... yeah, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, as you noticed, Ken, obviously I'm not wearing the English cravat. Correct, today. exactly. Yeah, all right. Um, yes, it is. It is less formal. Um, uh, but, um, but ultimately, it's still about getting out there and doing deals. Right. Yeah. Um, and back to that people business again. Um, there are uh, businesses that actually just keep you at arm's length with a very arm's length RFP response and made the best man, made the best people, the best provider win. And there are those customers that really want that empathy. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't see any significant differences apart from probably yeah, the, um, the laid back uh, style, but uh, right. London's getting there. The, the, the ties are off. The ties have been off for for about five years now. I think that's even happening at Goldman and the places in New York now too. It's gone to uh, sort of this look and the fleece vest, right? And is what the new office in New York city is. So talk to us about, you know, right now you are, we're in the middle of the, the pandemic and we are just actually chatting about what's easing up and what's not easing up. And I think, California, Massachusetts, and New York are probably the last three to sort of ease up just due to the, the amount of cases that we're having. 
what are you seeing in the market? What are you hearing in the market? What are people talking about looking forward? You know, is it positive? Is it negative? Is it wait and see? What are your thoughts and what are you hearing for Scuttlebutt? Um, or all of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, uh, well, you're absolutely right and, and pertinent to ask the obvious question on, on, um, uh, uh, on this now. The, I'm going to take it from an international landscape view, G, if I may, because the one thing that we're definitely finding as an international management team uh, when we speak regularly on, on video um, updates is that each of the 27 countries are at various different stages within this pandemic. And as a consequence, um, when obviously those countries have come into the pandemic, how they handle you know, the, um, the, the, the health and social challenges that exist, you know, that's been thrown at um, us for the pandemic, uh, and then more importantly, how they then manage themselves out of it um, into the new normal of whatever that's going to be. Um, so let me give you an example there. So, um, yeah, I'm very fond with the, uh, the uh, work well with the guy that uh, is responsible for Southern Europe, the CHG. Um, and he, um, on many calls, has expressed, um, you know, the significant challenges that existed with Italy. You know, obviously it's, it's um, within the public domain that Italy have, have, have really suffered, you know, through that pandemic. Um, through the pandemic and then you look at they're now starting to release the cafes uh, in Venice are now starting to reopen and so forth um, and people are being able to go to the cafe bars and drink their coffee um, let's just move that then across um, to uh, South America like Brazil and Mexico where I read only this weekend that with Brazil and Mexico they're, they're probably a week to two weeks maybe even the three just coming up to the, to the peak of the infection curve whilst Italy uh, was, uh, is in essence, what, six to eight weeks earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's not going to be one company, sorry, one country that recovers as a group. It's going to be, you know, a, a gradual process per country. Um, I think CHG Meridian need to be commended because at the end of 2019, they run an international campaign called Modern Workplace, where every employee were given the technology tools to work from home. Um, wow. Whether that, that, whether that was design or default, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they but, had some inside uh, info on that but, one. But the campaign, the campaign took place and, and, and therefore... Um, there was an easier transition, but going back to the country level of, of, of when it hit, um, of then being able to close the office down for all reasons we know why, and then to have remote working in place with the people having all of the necessary tools to do so. Um, yeah. Now, tools to do so is one thing. Environment is another. All right, yeah. You know, when you're working from home and you've got two young kids running around, you know, definitely not willing to be homeschooled and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that must be tough. And I, I, uh, we've got many people um, like that going through that process. Um, but the technology was there. And then coming back to uh, Mexico and Brazil again, um, you know, they're at the tail end of this and they're going to come out much later than Europe, for sure. Um, and then, of course, we get into the whole debate about 
um, you know, is the um, uh, is, is the health provide health provisions within those countries adequate? Yeah, to to cover it. Um, you know, but I think uh, from us that that hindsight of moving into a modern workplace environment that CHG Meridian did at the end of 2019 meant that we could be more efficient to our customers. We were operational, literally, from the following day, from office to home. Uh, whilst we know that there were many other organizations, both within our field, but also in, obviously, many, many other fields, whereby they had this period of, well, non-activity almost, because they were trying to work out how they could do that um, and how they could, could, could handle that. Uh, moving forward, we are seeing early signs, particularly in Europe, um, that things are beginning to um, to return. We're starting to see invitations to RFPs. Um, we're not yet seeing that in the US, um, um, but I think that will only come. Um, you know, we have major clients that have been um, have been affected. Um, yeah, so there's many clients, and I'm sure lessors, banks, and independents will will feel the forbearance. Uh, discussions that they've had to have with customers um, over this um, and for us it's simple you know um, we want customers to to have a life long renewal experience with us you know CHG is 40 years old so therefore you look at the number of IT renewals that customers have gone through with us um, coming out the other side I think there will be a definite change in work behavior work pattern work culture um, I don't believe that um, the video connection um, will go away anyway, any, anytime soon. Um, I think um, I look at some of the sales folks in the US that would jump on a plane to Chicago and, and fly, to, um, uh, uh, fly to Dallas, um, have an evening meal, wake up the following morning, have the customer meeting, then maybe meet another customer for lunch and fly back. Well, they probably could connect with 15 customers within that same time frame um, mm -hmm. through, through the use of technology. So I think um, there are plenty of people that are embracing it, which is good. Um, but I do believe that um, the um, fortunate thing about CHG is, is that we don't work in the SME market. You know, we're, we're in that sort of mid-corporate to enterprise and public sector. Um, uh, so even though there are some other customers that have been affected, as I mentioned about the forbearance, mm -hmm. uh, but um, uh, I think we'll see uh, result of that. Projects, Ken, on the other hand, just touching on that, I've not seen any evidence, particularly in the US, where the projects that we've been involved in, and we've been involved in hundreds of millions of dollars of projects at different stages of its progress. What I'm not seeing is I'm not seeing those projects be completely cut. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing them being called. I'm not seeing them being cancelled. I am seeing them being postponed. Right. And then I'll see, I'm seeing the postponement. And I think at that point from postponement, we will see what is the look and shape of that project at that point that it is, it is back onto the agenda. Um, you know, would it be a smaller project than prior? Could it even be larger? Yeah. yeah. Where customers are actually saying to us, let's look at CHG Meridian's example with Modern Workplace. And we've got to have that resilience ourselves. And how do we help them with that? You need that story ready to go. That's going to be your next selling piece is the, uh, 
the modern workplace. It was, we're fortunate too, because we had a very similar setup where you can just grab a laptop and go and many people work remote and, and everything that's going on. Um, but like you said, I think the culture is going to shift. I think there's going to be major shifts in the ability to reach out to people. You're going to be able to speak with more people quicker, faster, better. I think actually, I think coming out of it will be the American culture has become much more used to video conferencing where it wasn't six months ago. Um, I think the kids probably did it more than you and I did here in the States. I know globally it was much bigger, but less, less so here in the States. And now that's completely changed. It's, and it's not, it is, and it's, it's a necessity for connection. And I think it's going to change how people communicate, how business gets done. You're not going to, it's not lost in translation and emails and everything because now you boom, you hit your, your zoom plugin and you're on someone's desktop and, 20 seconds right or 10 seconds or five seconds so yeah. it's sort of an exciting time it, it is i just just you got a sh short example of that ken um so i was speaking with um one of our colleagues uh based out of washington this morning and uh, she said that yeah i've got a meeting with one of my key customers but i'm going to take lunch with her how are you going to do that it's easy we're going to have a video call and i'm going to have my salad and he's going to have his burger and we're going to talk over video whilst we're eating our lunch, <laughs> taking a break. And I'm going, there you go. There's your virtual lunch meeting right yep. there. Yeah, and of course, I'm sure many, many people, um, you know, uh, listening to the podcast and seeing the podcast would, uh, would empathize with, you know, the coffee breaks that are happening with the internal teams. Um, one cool thing I've seen from our Australian colleagues um, on the, the continuing boost of morale um, and I mean both in, in, the, um, in the physical and mental state of, of team morale, um, is that they've gone down the MasterChef route. So folks, oh, Jesus. Folk, folks down in Australia have uh, yeah, entered into this video. Of they've got to cook something within 30 minutes, and then their colleagues, they vote which is the best dish for them to go through to the next round. How cool wow. is that? That is super cool. That is, yeah, it's my daughter. She's 15. She watches movies with our, all our friends. They put it on, you know, we're talking about this, but they'll put a movie on one screen and their FaceTimes on the phone or whatever. So they can stay connected. And I don't think they feel as unconnected as we as parents think that they do because they're always connected anyways. And it's just a different, different level of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And if I fast forward now to that's that, um, um, that, um, that, that little girl that was a month old, uh, my daughter, who now is 22 years old, um, so she's graduated from university. Correction, she's just finished her final year um, at university in, uh, in the UK. But back to that personal connection opposed to virtual, the one thing that she was so looking forward to was, was that um, in-person graduation that she's sadly not going to experience uh, because she's the year of 2020 right. plus, right? You know, so, you know, I, I feel, you know, Grace is one and I'm sure there's millions and millions of, of, um, of other uh, young people around the world that sadly are gonna miss out on, on you know, an event that will probably be etched in their memory as I'm sure you can remember yours. Oh, yes. The, the, the crazy thing is they'll probably remember this more than if they had their graduation. 
<laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah. But anyways, so Wayne, where you know we're coming up here over a half an hour. This has been great. I love your insights, your global leadership insights, the business, the entrepreneurial to corporate, everything. But where can people find you? Where can they find out more about you? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, sure. Well, um, if anybody wishes to connect with me, then feel free to do so. Um, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, I'm based out of California. Um, so find me also through the um, personnel network of CHG Meridian, sorry, chg-meridian.com. Uh, you'll see my bio there as well. Um, and um, yeah, look forward to connecting with, um, uh, with anyone that wishes to do so. And uh, uh, Ken, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. It's been, it's been a blast. And I, I hope that um, me spending 30 minutes or so sharing my, uh, my experiences will, um, uh, will, uh, will be of interest to, uh, uh, to you and many of your followers. No, it was great. And I love doing this because I can learn from amazing people like you. So thank you very much. And, and if anyone has any questions, comments, or feedback, they can email me at klubin and ZRG partners, but make sure you subscribe and keep on listening. And like I say, at every one of these, we're, we're, we're one day closer to getting through this. So thanks again, Wayne. My pleasure. Thanks.